Good afternoon. Thank you for joining us again for another episode of the Study with C. Martin podcast. I'm your host, Shonda Martin. For those of you who may not be familiar with these podcasts, the Study with C. Martin podcast is the audio companion to the study Bible study textbooks and the free online Bible study course. Visit us online at studywithcmartin.com where you can register for the free online Bible study course and download the materials chapter by chapter. Before we get started, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your word and the power to believe your word. I ask that you fill us all with the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, that the eyes of our understanding being enlightened, that we would know what is the hope of your calling, what is the riches of your glory and the inheritance of your saints of light, And what is the exceeding greatness of your power toward us who believe your word? Continue to reveal truth to us. Help us to turn away from unbelief, ungodliness, traditions, and cliches that have hindered us from fully believing your word and fully seeing your word at work in our lives. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, previously we covered chapters one and two, and that's in the introduction part of the book. Now we're going to get started with part two of the book, which covers spiritual law, spiritual authority, and sozo. Sozo is a Greek word. We'll get into that a little bit more a little later, but we're going to pick up now with chapter three of the textbook. If you have not already completed part one or listened to the podcast for chapters one and two of the study course, please come off of this podcast and go back over those previous ones so that you're not out of step with the material that we're going over. We don't want you to be lost and we don't want you playing catch up. We want you to have a good understanding and a good foundation for where we're about to go. So if you haven't already gone over chapters one and two, come off of this podcast, go over those and then pick this one back up after you have a chance to listen to those. Okay. Chapter three is entitled, It's All in Here, Romans 10. Sickness, disease, poverty, lack, insufficiency, inability, disability, dysfunction, chaos, and confusion are all works of the devil. How do we know that? Jesus said, The thief, the devil, does not come except to steal, kill, and to destroy. I, Jesus, have come that they might have life, and that they may have it more abundantly. And that comes from John chapter 10, verse 10. The devil uses those works to steal, kill, and destroy what God has prepared for us and desires for us to have. But thankfully, the Bible tells us in Romans 10, 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Saved from what? Saved from the works of the devil. So just how do we receive this salvation? I was reading in the Bible one day, and as I scrolled past the 10th chapter of the book of Romans, I heard the Lord say, it's all in here. And as I began to look at Romans 10, he began to show me. Saved equals redeemed equals healed equals forgiven. It's important to note that every thought or revelation you get does not always come from God. But how can you be sure if a revelation or thought was from God? Any thought or revelation from God can always be confirmed with the word of God in context. Whenever we come into a new revelation, teaching, or understanding on any subject in the word of God, those revelations or teachings should be confirmed or debunked by studying the Word of God in context, as doing so keeps us from being led astray and from following wrong doctrines. 
Furthermore, the Bible tells us, let every word be established or proven by the mouth of two or three witnesses. That's found in Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 15, Matthew 18, 16, and 2 Corinthians 13, 1. In this case, those witnesses would be two or more scriptural references in context that confirms any revelation, insight, or teaching on the Word of God. With that said, are there scriptures that can confirm what the Lord told me? The book of Romans is found in the New Testament of the Bible. In case you did not know, much of the original text of the New Testament was written in Greek. When words are translated from one language to another, the full meaning of a word often gets lost in translation. While most would understand that healed means to make well and forgiven can mean to be pardoned or exonerated from a criminal offense, what do saved and redeemed mean? The Greek word for redeem is exagerazo and means to ransom or to recover from the power of another by payment. The Bible tells us that Jesus is our Messiah, the one whom God sent to pardon mankind and rescue us from the power of the devil and the penalties of hell. We see that with John 3.16. In other words, Jesus is our Redeemer. We'll talk more about what it means to be redeemed throughout the rest of the study course, but for now, we'll continue exploring the foundation for spiritual law that we find in Romans 10. The Greek word for save in Romans 10.13 is sozo. Sozo doesn't just mean save from hell and going to heaven when we die. The word sozo is used throughout the New Testament more than 100 times and is also the same Greek word used every time we see the words healed, well, and made whole. Thayer's Greek lexicon, which is like a dictionary-type Bible concordance, it defines the word sozo as to save, keep safe and sound, to rescue from danger or destruction, injury or peril, to save a suffering one from perishing, for example, one suffering from disease, to make well, to heal, to restore to health. Another definition says to preserve one who is in danger of destruction, to save or rescue, to save in the technical biblical sense, to deliver from the penalties of the messianic judgment, to save from the evils which obstruct the reception of the messianic deliverance. From the definitions of the word sozo, we can see that the Greek word for saved originally used in the scriptures really does mean the same as healed, forgiven, and redeemed. While the first four definitions are definitely something to be thankful for, look at that last definition a little bit more closely. To save from the evils which obstruct the reception of the messianic deliverance. What does that mean? To save equals rescue and redeem. The evils equals powers and influence of the devil. Evils that do what? Evils that obstruct the reception. Anything that hinders you from being able to see, hear, or receive something. What does the devil want to hinder people from receiving? Messianic deliverance. Jesus is the Messiah. He wants to hinder you from receiving Jesus as the Messiah so that you won't be saved. He wants to hinder God's plan to save you through the Messiah, who is Jesus Christ. That last definition is talking about people who need to be saved, healed, or otherwise delivered from the influence of the devil, but they can't be healed, saved, or helped because the devil has hindered them from receiving the word of God. Now that can be a lot to kind of take in while you're just listening to all of those definitions back to back. So make sure you go over the PDF when you get a moment, if you're just listening to the podcast right now. 
go over those definitions and let them really kind of soak in your spirit so you can really get the full meaning of what the word sozo means. Now let's look back at Romans 10:13 in light of the definition of the word sozo. Every person who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, saved from eternity in hell, saved from sickness and disease, saved from danger and destruction, and saved from every tactic that the devil would use to try to hinder you and your loved ones from receiving sozo. Now let's look at the 10th chapter of Romans to better understand just what it means to call on the name of the Lord to be saved and have everything else God provided for us through Jesus. Brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them is for their salvation. For I testify about them that they have a zeal for God, but not in accordance with knowledge. For not knowing about God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own, they did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes that the man who practices the righteousness which is based on the law shall live by that righteousness. So let's take a quick pause right here. What is he talking about the righteousness that is based on the law? Righteousness means your ability to freely receive whatever God has provided. You can freely receive healing, help, salvation, whatever God has on the table because of righteousness. Now, under the old covenant, the Israelites had to perform rituals and sacrifices in order to attain righteousness. But when Jesus came, he fulfilled the requirement of righteousness. So instead of having to do works now based on the law, all we have to do is just believe and accept that Jesus fulfilled that for us and we receive his righteousness, allowing us to freely receive from God. Now let's get back to the text. But the righteousness based on faith speaks as follows. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. Who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith, which we are preaching. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus as Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? And how will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. However, they did not all heed the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. But I say, surely they have never heard, have they? Indeed they have. But I say, surely Israel did not know, did they? But as for Israel, he says, all the day long I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. Romans 10, verses 1 through 13, 19 and 21, and that is the NASB version. If you can understand how easy it is for a person to receive salvation, 
You can easily receive healing, answered prayer, and everything else God provided for us through Jesus. Why is that? That is because the spiritual law that is at work for you to receive salvation is the same law that is at work for you to receive healing, answered prayer, and everything else in the word of God. This passage in Romans 10 outlines the spiritual law of believing and speaking and shows us that there are four parts to receiving anything from the word of God. Hear the word, believe the word, speak the word, and have the word. In this passage, the writer tells us that even though the Jews pursued righteousness, their efforts were not based on what his word actually says. The passage goes on to say that while it would seem that those preaching the good news of salvation should always be well received, every person will not always accept the help that God provided for us through Jesus. However, throughout the Bible and even in present day times, anytime we see where people heard the word of God, believed the word of God, and spoke or confessed what they believed, we also see where those same people received what was promised in the word of God. In other words, after hearing what God said enough to believe it, they spoke what God said and it came to pass. But if it was really that simple, why don't more Christians have what God promised and provided in his word today? Again, Romans 10:13 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. When is shall be? When will people be saved, healed, forgiven, and redeemed? After they hear his word, believe his word, and speak that they really believe his word. Not believing theories or traditions. Not all have heard the word of God, and not everyone who has heard the word of God actually believe the word of God. And if they never believe the word, they will never speak it, and thus will never have what the word promised or provided. But what else does this passage in Romans 10 tell us? It is already done, so just receive it. Verses 5 through 13 of Romans 10 tell us how we are to receive from God. No one has to go up to heaven to see if they can get Jesus to come down and be nailed to a cross again for their neighbor to get saved. And no, no one has to try to find the tomb where he was buried or try to go to hell to see if he was down there to try to get him to come back up here to help us. The truth is, he already did everything that needed to be done for us to be saved, healed, forgiven, and redeemed. The only thing we need to do to receive every good thing that God promised is to believe what he said in our hearts and use our mouths to confess that we believe what he said. But if you never knew what his word actually says, you would never believe it. And if you never believed it, you would never speak it. And if you never believed or spoke what the word of God says, you would never have what the Bible says that we have because of Jesus. Now let's see what else Romans 10 tells us. How to have faith in God's word. The Bible tells us that God has given every person the same measure of faith. That's in Romans chapter 12, verse 3. Meaning that regardless of your background, upbringing, education, or religious experience, we all have enough faith to receive salvation, to be healed, and to have our prayers answered. But while it's easy for many to receive salvation... Many fail to receive healing or have their prayers answered because they struggle with having faith in his word. Some think, sure, I have enough faith to get saved, but I don't think I have enough faith for healing. I don't think I have enough faith to believe that God will answer my prayers. Again, there's a pattern. You hear the word, believe the word, speak the word, and then you have what the word says. Whether that be the written word, what the scriptures say, or whether that be what God reveals to you in your heart. 
The promises of God are not random or automatic, but come to pass as a result of hearing and believing the word of God and speaking the word that you have believed. If you want to believe that you can have what was provided through Jesus' sacrifice, you must keep hearing and hearing what God said. But if you choose to listen to people who do not believe what God said about healing or answered prayer, you will have what they keep telling you. No healing, no help, and no answered prayer. Healing, along with all the other blessings God provided for us through Jesus, doesn't just automatically manifest because you've been a good church member. And no, God isn't randomly blessing some people with good health while randomly leaving others to suffer with sickness until they die. Again, Romans 10 tells us exactly how his word comes to pass in our lives, by hearing his word until we truly believe it and speak it. But we won't ever speak it and have it if we never hear his word enough to believe it. Again, when you hear the word of God, it is important that you keep hearing the word again and again. Why? The more you hear it, the more you will believe it and have faith in it. The less you hear it, the less faith you will have and the less you will speak. Jesus taught about this in the parable of the sower in Mark chapter 4. You must permit yourself to hear the word more than just in a sermon on Sunday. You must hear the word of God again and again so that it can become rooted in your heart. Without a root, a seed can easily be removed from the soil and blown away in the wind. But if it has root, the root causes that seed to remain in the ground. And the more you hear the word of God, the more that seed of faith is watered and strengthened to take root, to grow and actually produce the fruit that is the power of God in your spirit, in your body, and in every area of your life. The next thing that we learn from Romans 10 is God does not play favorites. It is God's will for everyone to be saved, healed, and helped. In the same way that some may not think that God provided salvation for every person on the planet, some also think that God did not provide healing or answers to prayer for every person on the planet. But what does the Bible tell us? While the Jews were God's chosen people, verses 12 and 13 of Romans chapter 10 tell us that Jesus' body was not just beaten and broken to pay the spiritual price to heal the Jews alone, nor was his blood shed to pay the price for their salvation alone. The 10th chapter of Romans tells us that Jesus died and shed his blood for all of mankind. That means whether you are male or female, black, white, Hispanic, old or young, Jesus was a sacrifice for us all. Whether you are saved or have not yet accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, know that God sent Jesus to save, heal and help all of us. The Bible tells us, And Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. And that's from Matthew chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. Matthew twelve fifteen says, And great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all. Then we see in Luke chapter 6, verses 17 through 19, And he came down with them and stood on a level place, with a crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem, and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, who came to hear him and be healed of their diseases, as well as those who were tormented with unclean spirits. And they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him, for power went out from him and healed them all. 
Lastly, we see Matthew chapter 15, verses 29 through 31. Jesus now returned to the Sea of Galilee and climbed a hill and sat there. And a vast crowd brought him there, lame, blind, maimed, and those who couldn't speak, and many others, and laid them before Jesus, and he healed them all. What a spectacle it was. Those who hadn't been able to say a word before were talking excitedly, and those with missing arms and legs had new ones. The crippled were all walking and jumping around, and those who had been blind were gazing about them. The crowds just marveled and praised the God of Israel. Jesus said, Him that come to me, I will in no wise cast out. That's from John six thirty-seven. And what Jesus was saying in that last verse is that he won't turn away anyone who believes his word and comes to him to receive healing, help, or salvation. And that includes you and me. Look back over those passages, read them out loud, and let yourself hear and hear and hear those words. Again, that's how faith comes. You have to keep hearing it over and over again. In those passages that I just read through, they talked about people receiving immediate healing, people who had missing arms and legs, who were blind, who could not speak, but suddenly they were healed. If something was missing, it was restored. You have to have faith for those things to happen. In order for you to have faith, you have to keep hearing and hearing what the word of God says. Regardless of the kind of problem or type of challenge, people from all walks of life came to hear Jesus. Why? So that they could be healed and helped. The more they heard, the more they believed. And as they believed, they asked to receive. The blind were now able to see. The lame and crippled were now able to walk. And those who were missing arms and legs suddenly had new ones. Not by surgical procedures, transplants, treatments, or medication, but by the power of God. Let yourself hear that. Let yourself believe that. I don't care what is disfigured, ailing, missing, damaged, or broken in your body or in your life. Jesus is the healer. Regardless of the type of sickness, social status, or background, sinners and devout Jews alike came to Jesus and he healed them all. And no, the Lord does not send people on healing journeys. The same Jesus that immediately healed every person who believed that he could and would immediately heal them back then immediately heals all who believe his word today. With this understood, you never again have to wonder if it's his will to heal anybody. Know and remember that because God sent Jesus to redeem and save everybody, that also means that he sent Jesus to heal and help everybody today. And again, I keep repeating this because we have to understand this. We don't see his power at work if we have not heard his word enough to believe it. And if we haven't heard enough to believe it, we're not going to speak it. And if we don't speak that we believe it, we're not going to have it. So we're going to keep going over what the word says so that we can have faith in his word. So we can start producing the results that his word says we can have in our lives today. Now, the next thing that we see in Romans 10 is that every person must choose to believe and accept the word of God for themselves. While God freely provided sozo for everyone in the world to receive, not everyone chooses to accept what God freely provided for us all through Jesus. The reason some fail to receive is not because God is withholding healing from them. And we see that in Psalm 84, 11, that says God doesn't withhold anything good from those who walk up right before him. Rather, it's because they made a conscious decision to reject what God provided through Jesus. Ask yourself these questions. Is it God's will for everyone to be saved? Yes. 
We know this because John 3.16 says that God sent Jesus for the whole world. Now, will everyone in the world be saved? No. Why won't they? Some never hear about salvation, and because they never heard it, they don't have anything to believe or accept. Some will hear about salvation and will refuse to believe it's true because they've chosen to place their faith in something else. Others will hear about salvation and even believe that God is real, but will just refuse to accept salvation. What does it mean to believe and accept salvation? It's one thing to believe something, but it is another thing to choose to accept something. I can put a sandwich on a tray and tell you that it belongs to you. You can believe what I said, but if you never accept that sandwich and eat it, you'll go hungry, even though the sandwich was really there and you believe that it really was prepared for you. It is the will of God for every person to have sozo, to be saved from hell and to be delivered from all the works and power of the devil. A person can know what the Bible says about salvation, believe that the Bible is true, and still refuse to receive salvation. And just as it is God's will for every person to be saved from hell, it is also his will for every person to be healed and helped. But just as every person will not choose to accept salvation, not every person will choose to accept any of the other good things God provided through Jesus, and that includes healing. You don't ever have to go without healing or help. Always choose to believe and receive every good thing God provided for us through his son Jesus. Looking back at verses 18 through 21 of Romans 10, we see where some of the Jews who heard the message of salvation chose not to believe it. Their attitude was a bit like the disciple named Thomas who refused to believe that Jesus had been raised from the dead. After being raised from the dead, Jesus had appeared to a number of his disciples in different places at different times. But since Thomas had not seen Jesus for himself, he refused to believe that Jesus was alive. The Bible tells us, but Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples were saying to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see his hands and the imprint of the nails, and put my finger into the place of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. After eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, the doors having been shut, and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach here with your finger, and see my hands, and reach here with your hand, and put it into my side. And do not be unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are those who did not see and yet believed. And that's from John chapter 20, verses 24 to 29. Interestingly enough, Thomas was not the only person in the history of the Bible who refused to believe. The Bible records many instances where God's people refused to believe or receive what God told them. That is one reason God said in Romans 10, 21, But as for Israel, he says, All the day long I have stretched my hands out to a disobedient and obstinate people. How have the Jews been disobedient? Why would God call the Israelites obstinate? The dictionary defines obstinate as stubbornly refusing to change one's opinion or chosen course of action despite attempts to persuade one to do so. That's a pretty accurate description of a person who refuses to receive the gospel. So then we can see that the Israelites in the Old Testament times were disobedient and obstinate when they refused to receive the promised land, 
The Jews in the New Testament times were disobedient and obstinate when they refused to receive Jesus as the Messiah. And Thomas was disobedient and obstinate when he refused to believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, even though Jesus himself had told them many times that that was going to happen. But why had Thomas refused to believe? Because he had not seen Jesus for himself. But wasn't Thomas one of the good guys? Yes. Wasn't he one of Jesus' 12 disciples? Sure. So how did Thomas's refusal to believe make him just as disobedient as the other Jews in Jesus' day and the Israelites in the Old Testament times? Well, let's answer this question first. How had the Jews and the Israelites been disobedient? They refused to believe and accept the salvation that God provided. Look back at Romans 10, 9 and 10. Part of our salvation is based on us believing that God raised Jesus from the dead. By refusing to believe that Jesus had been raised from the dead, Thomas was essentially refusing to receive salvation. Now you got to get that picture in your mind. For us to receive salvation today, none of us are seeing Jesus in person to confirm that he was raised from the dead before we receive salvation. Thomas was to believe that Jesus had been raised from the dead just as we are to believe that Jesus was raised from the dead today. When we refuse to believe what the word of God says without having proof first, then we're behaving just like Thomas. Think about that. How many times has God tried to reveal stuff to you either through his written word or by revealing things in your heart and it was just too difficult for you to believe? You just refuse to believe it. That's you refusing to receive the salvation that God is trying to provide for you through what Jesus accomplished. Like Thomas, some hear the gospel but want to see proof before they let themselves believe or accept what the Bible says about salvation, healing, and the help that God provided through his son Jesus. Or how his word says we are to receive his salvation, healing, and help. While Jesus said that he was glad that Thomas did believe once he did see him, he said that the person who believes without seeing is more blessed. Why? When we waver in faith, the promises of God seem to tarry. They seem like they, they take forever to come to pass. Now, how is it that we end up wavering? We waver when we require there to be tangible proof before we let ourselves believe that his power really is here to do what we have prayed for. And if you're believing what the word of God says is based on whether or not you can see or feel any immediate change in your body or your circumstances, you are doing just like Thomas, refusing to receive your healing and your help until your eyes can physically see it. And that will be about as effective as waiting to see proof that a light works before you turn the light switch on. Think about that for a minute. Will a light come on if you don't turn the switch? You would be demanding the light bulb to work without turning on the power first. Your faith is the power that causes God's light to be at work in your life. But if you never turn your faith on, if you never let yourself believe his word without having to see proof first, you will never see his light bulb of healing, help, or answered prayer in your life. Again, just as I mentioned a few moments ago, if you're saved, did you actually go back in time and see Jesus get nailed to a cross before you let yourself believe that he really did die for your sin? Or did you just hear the word of salvation, believe it, and accept it? Well, of course you didn't go back in time. You heard the word of salvation and you believed the word and accepted the word. 
Likewise, you must hear, believe, and accept the word of God concerning healing, help, and answered prayer the same way you heard, believed, and accepted the word of salvation. As we continue to study what the word of God says, we will take a look at a few of the more notable misconceptions that have severely hindered people from hearing, believing, and receiving what God promised. Well, we've come to the end of another chapter. That is a wrap on chapter three. I hope you enjoyed the material here. I hope you're starting to see how faith works, how as we continue to keep hearing and hearing what the word of God says, that's going to cause us to have faith in his word. And as we continue to have faith in his word and believe and speak his word, what his word says is going to come to pass in our lives. So as we continue to study, people's bodies are going to be healed. People are going to have answers revealed for the things that they've prayed for. Relationships are going to be restored. I'm excited. You should be excited. Because the more we hear and hear the word of God, the more we're going to start to see his power at work and we're going to see change in our lives that's not just evidenced occasionally, but we're going to have his power at work all the time. And it's not going to be a secret. This isn't just going to be some little feel-good feeling that you get at church on Sunday where you just feel saved on the inside. No, we're going to see his actual power at work and others are going to be able to see it too. Those who knew you when you were sick, those who knew you when you were broke, those who knew you when you had the jacked up relationship, they're going to see the turnaround in your life. And that's going to be a testament to the power of God, drawing others to receive salvation because you let his power be at work in your life. Amen. All right. If you have not already registered for the free online course, visit us online at studywithcmartin.com so you can keep up with us and download the materials, review the materials, Take the assessments so you can make sure that you're retaining the information so you can start building your faith. If you have any questions or positive feedback about the podcast or the material, send us a message. Email us at contact at studywithcmartin.com. You can message us on Instagram or Facebook at studywithcmartin or on Twitter at studywithcmart or on anchor.fm forward slash studywithcmartin. I want to thank you again for joining me today. I've sincerely enjoyed my time in the Word with you today. And I look forward to spending time with you again on the next Study with C. Martin podcast. Until next time, take care.